that's on our social media from the text that we didn't hit in here between last week and the week before. It was uh, Luke 11, 24 through 32 that we didn't do a digging deeper on. Um, and so that's on our social media platforms. Um, it's about an 18, 19 minute video, 20 minute video, um, going over that text. Um, and so today, I t Leonard and I were talking earlier in the week and we were texting and he had his work cut out for him to do any kind of justice to these because these are massive texts. So, so we're dealing with hypocrisy, uh, fear of man and fear of the Lord next, and then we can, and then uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and allegiance to God. I was like, so your job pretty much is to pour three pots of coffee in an espresso cup this week. So we, we have a lot and well, that's it. We, we have a good bit before us, and so let's open it up. We can, we can make, uh, make it as plain as we can as we go through. So, Father, thank you for this, your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you spoke these words to us. Spirit, thank you that you apply understanding um, of these things which our Savior spoke, as that is your role and uh, part of your role. Um, you apply all that Jesus taught to us, and you give us understanding, and you give us grace, and you help us. And we're thankful. You help us to persevere uh, so that we don't deny you. You do that for your people. And it's a wonderful thing, the perseverance of the saints. Um, thank you that for, all, for your staying power and your holding power. You are unbudgeable and you are holding on people so that they won't be budgeable. Thank you for this. Thank you for keeping us sturdy. Uh, thank you that we, you don't want us to have a blind faith. You want us to have an informed faith. And so you give us your word, you explain things, and you grant your people your spirit to open up that understanding. So may this happen today, and may there be an effect from it that ripples out from our class into our lives, into the rest of your church, and places where you will for um, your power, your understanding, and your uh, presence to go. And we thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we are in, we're going to start Luke 12 today. Um, and this marks the beginning of the halfway point, right? Morning. And so uh, this is, uh, yeah, what, there's 24 chapters in Luke, I think? So we're, we've reached the halfway point as, as we're, uh, what are we, a little over a year in? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, so this takes... Uh, place pretty quick. In fact, I think it was R.C. Sproul that said he often wonders where the people who put the chapters and verses, why they did so. Because um, I'm reading this and I think chapter 12, or I mean Luke 11 should have been longer because this there's a chapter break and that makes us think everything's changed. But no, this all happens in the same span of time, in the meantime. Um, I think Luke 12 should have begun where 33 is in Luke 11 because... All this, this big story that Matt preached on last week and that we talked in here about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and how Jesus goes about um, diagnosing it and, and, and exposing it um, and offending everybody, um, it all ties into this. So he, it's almost like, I'm not saying it is, but perhaps uh, he gets out of this meal that the Pharisee invited him to where he goes about calling woes on the lawyers and the Pharisees uh, and he comes outside and there's this, his his crowd. It's almost as if that. I don't know if it's that immediate, but in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began first to say to his disciples. So people are coming. Everybody wants to see what he's doing, maybe be a miracle himself. Maybe they, they need help. They need healed that they can't get anywhere else. Um, 
people are wanting to hear every word he has to say, either to believe it and live by it, or maybe just to be entertained by it, to say, hey, it's this crazy thing that Jesus did. You know, what else is there to do around here? I'm sure they had their own things that they did, but like maybe it's the equivalent of going to a movie for them or something. Let's go listen to this guy talk. Um, so, but he says to his disciples first, as everybody's around him, he focuses in on his 12, and maybe he says it so others can overhear. Says it to every, he says it to his disciples, but for everybody. I mean, we're receiving it here today. It's for us too. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Um, so what's puffing them up? Their ability to act. A hypocrite, simply put, is an actor. Uh, on the outside, they appear to be what you hope they'd be on the inside, but they're not authentic. Um, they're, they're, they wear the right clothes, they say the right things, okay? So they're like swimmers who, uh, who are all dressed up for the Olympics, they got their cap on, they got their, well you don't wear much when you swim, but they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they've got their trunks on, but they sit on a boat on top of the water and they've never dived in, okay? That's what they're doing. Uh, uh, okay, so, so he goes about warning them, don't let, I, Christ wants us to be an authentic people inside and out. It's really easy to look the part, say the right things, speak the Christianese language, say all the right words, and um, do the stuff. Most of the stuff is pretty easy to do when you can do it and you're, when it's comfortable and present. And, but a lot of this stuff we know when it comes, comes time is, not easy, is anything but easy to do. It's, there's, there, there's that that rises up within us. Uh, and that's a, a, a normal part of following Christ. That's uh, unease, but I need to go in this direction. And so he says about this, about their hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed uh, or hidden that will not be made known. Ultimately, there are no secrets. Um, not before God. We can keep secrets from one another. Um, there's things about all of our lives that we don't want anybody else but us to know about. Um, I know I have stuff like I would rather not, you know, I'd rather not, it, you know, it's, it's a memory and I want it to stay there. I don't want it to be in my mouth, but Christ free and powers kind of frees you up so it doesn't chain you anymore. John 4. Sermon for a different day. Um, <laughs> um, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. So ultimately, he wants us to be a people who... Um, expose that and we're a freed people and we live that way in order to be an authentic person uh, we, 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 there's no bodies in the trunk so to speak anymore he, he's freed us from the darkness of it and he's forgiven it and he's freed us from it and so we can live that way with our brothers and sisters these people there's things in them and this comes down to teaching um, and uh, nor hidden that will not be made known all of their hypocrisy as Jesus exposed here will be outed, and he talks about it, he's alluding to a different time, a future judgment. On that day, secrets are done. And, you know, uh, Galatians 6, 7, God is not mocked. There's no keeping a thing from him. And these people who are teaching his people, um, all of their bad teaching is going to be exposed, and because Jesus is coming, he's the light, and he, he speaks light, and life and his way is the way and they have made you know they haven't done their diligence with the word of god 
It's a letter to them. They can recite it, but the spirit of it is lost on them, and they don't live it. Maybe, you know, it, it went in their mind, but never fell down to their heart. Therefore, whatever you, now he's talking to his disciples, remember, um, he's telling his disciples, don't live like that, don't be like that, be authentic, you're mine. They're missing everything that's happening right in front of them. I'm here. Everything that the Old Testament pointing to is taking place. This is it. This is thousands of years of anticipation coming in the person of Christ, and they're missing it. It's right in front of them, and he says this to his disciples, don't be like that. I'm right here. Don't miss me. And he says to them, therefore, whatever you, his disciples, have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever is whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetop. So all the teaching that Jesus gives his disciples, you know, don't keep it in the filing cabinet, keep it on the bookshelf where it's readily available and exposed. Uh, it's, it, that's the lamp that, uh, that is our way, that is, he's saying to his disciples. I mean, that's what he said last week. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but sit on a stand so that those who enter may see the light, Jesus is light himself and everything, all the, the, the truth that we have that you know, it applies to a situation, bring it out for that situation. Um, there's coming a day when nothing but truth will be. There will be no more lies. As Christians, we're like, oh my God, if the news were like that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, so there's the hypocrisy. A hypocrite is one who's, okay, they're a, they're a double person, so to speak. Um, they're this person and this person in one person. You get a two in one. Maybe you get a 20 in one. Sometimes I feel like a 20 in one kind of guy. And I think Bob Dylan said, uh, I wake up and I have no idea who I'm gonna be because I'm not the same guy who I woke up. You know, who I, I'm not the same guy when I woke up. That's true. I find myself being three different people in one day. Um, and he said, would be one solid, authentic person. Jesus is one solid, authentic person. He is never shifted by uh, opinions and cultural things and different teachings. He's not a cultural chameleon. He is the ever steadfast anchor, unchanging. And I love that about him. We, we could not hold on to him as our anchor if he was wishy-washy or unstable or a different person now. We come to the same God all the time, and he's always, he doesn't need to change. He doesn't need to adjust. He's perfect as he is. We're, we need that because we're not that. We find that stability in him, right? And so I tell you, my friends, I'm sorry, Joe, did you want to say something? I, was, I thought I blew by you when you put your hand up. Sorry. All right. All right. And then so verse four, he said, oh, wait, you know, I have this quote from, that I wrote in my Bible from Thomas Watson, one of my favorite Puritans. Um, he prays this. Lord, let me be anything but a hypocrite. Two hearts will exclude one from heaven. So he, Jesus came uh, so that we might fulfill what God has always wanted throughout the Bible. Um, I have this verse marked off from Jeremiah before we go into the next part to kind of tie these parts together. Uh, where God says this, I will give them one heart in one way that is accomplished by Jesus coming onto the scene and saving people. The moment of your salvation, you were given this, and now it's our task to walk it, walk it out by his help. I will, yeah. I was gonna say, even if they said, you know, if you said the Bible, they're like, no, Jesus, I'm not, I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not. 
It's always been God's will for us to be one thing. One, yeah. I don't think it's so much easier. I know in my world, I wouldn't say this, but I think it's so much easier now than it could be. You know, most people are just, oh, you know, we're hypocrites. Or, and I look at myself and I think, is I a hypocrite? Or, and I was. You know what I mean? But when you look at yourself, you know, it's hard to admit that. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I did that. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, you I get think it's so much easier to point the finger, I guess. Yeah. So I don't really know where you are, but all that one sound mind, right? Yeah. As we go, our hypocrisy is revealed more and more, um, but it's also subdued more and more. The sin dies a little bit, and it gets exposed a little more, so it keeps us humble as we go. As we're cleansed, and as we're broken free from our sin, and the thread of the initial rope that couldn't be broken um, starts to snap. Brother, I don't mean to interrupt, but... Yeah, no, go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. I'm so messed up that I have to be with you. I have to be with you and get out for the week. You know what I mean? Yeah. You cut one head off the monster and two more grow. As I get closer to Saturday, because I'm glad I got to get there. If I get there, you know what I mean? I missed the Bible study. I got to get there because I feel like I'm I'm messed up again. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not on the right track. But yeah, I think they need that. Yeah. Church is like, I'm not going to go in there and try to say all things are perfect. I'm sure they're not. Oh, some of us do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't mean, yeah. Um, I was talking to a Walmart employee one time. He was in my car. He helped me put something in my car. And at the time, I used to carry this box of Bibles around with me. And I would give them out to people as the Lord led. And uh, there was a, a piece of paper that I slid into each one that kind of like a preface. Like, hey, this is what it's all about. So read this and then jump in. And there was uh, a guy who's helped me put something in my car. And we put it in. And... I gave him one of these, and he was like, oh, thank you, and he was excited. Usually it doesn't go very well. Uh, not usually, but sometimes it doesn't go very well. <laughs> um, uh, um, and so he was like, yeah, I need to read this. I know I need to do this, but I can't, I'm not going to go to church because those guys are a bunch of hypocrites. And I didn't say this at the time, but I wish I would have kicked myself now. I was like, yeah, and it's a perfect place for you to deal with your hypocrisy too. Like, <laughs> and... Um, that's the whole point of why we go. We're a bunch of hypocrites who come to know and worship the only one who wasn't. Um, Shoes and I'm clean, and all these different cliches, but 
So let's go. This, this, like, yeah, this, like, this is how. Uh, this is how God. Um, this is what He prescribes to keep us from being that double-minded, you know, front of the person. I give my like daughter and son-in-law credit because it was the Christmas party, mm-hmm. and you know, like guys I work with and wives were all there. Show that we're 
hear the word and we don't talk the talk maybe down the road if we can afford Some of us suffer from resting Baptist face, okay? I think I'm one of those. The kids in the nursery are scared. Yeah. <laughs> our faces do express. Yeah, yeah. I have one of those faces. My wife always asks me if I'm mad. Yeah. But I'm glad, you know, because I think that was a door open to them. Because somebody's going to ask you, Yeah, yeah, and you be open about you know what makes you a hypocrite as well because I mean just telling you guys this right now I think of like a few stories I should tell you right now because it makes me a hypocrite for even trying to ask you guys to do this stuff you know I feel the Lord in me saying hey don't you know I see it <laughs> about all these things in my life too and so we're, we're when He exposes those things that make us just like these Pharisees um, do what the Pharisees didn't do and go to Him for we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. First John 1, 10. Um, a text that I visit a lot because I'm no smaller hypocrite than any of these guys I just mentioned. Um, verse 4. Alright, so he gives us this, he prescribes something that God has always taught, that the Bible has always taught, and so it's a mode of heart that they need to be in. About saying this, I tell you, friends, and I love that he, he calls the Pharisees hypocrites, he calls his disciples friends. This is a he has an intimate relationship. Um, this is he, he addresses them like you know, a friend, a brother, a close one, someone in the midst uh, where we have a relationship. Do not fear those who can kill the body, and after they have nothing worth that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the authority to cast into hell. All right, so he's doing something here. Um, first, though, he says after. So he tells us that there's more. He confirms that there's an afterlife. He says there's more than this just by saying the word after. That word after is huge. If you like to search for stuff in your Bible, search out after. He says it again. Uh, he says it twice. Um, he says after can do nothing. They can do anything they want to us this side of heaven. But after, God still has authority there. As he does here too. God can do, man can do much of what they want to do here. God can do anything he wants to us this side of heaven. Put us through and, and walk us through anything. Or allow us to walk through anything in judgment. He can do whatever he wills either side of heaven. Man, that stops. There's no after that man has control of. So to adhere to God now 
tells us something that the Bible has always said, tells us, prescribes to us, to his disciples here, and to us. Fear the Lord. So what is fear of the Lord? Um, I love John Piper's definition. I, 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 my definition has always been adherence. I hear fear of the Lord and I hear adhere to the Lord. And John Piper says, when you fear the Lord, it's not this um, true, this fear that cripples you, but it should cripple that part of you that wants to go against the Lord. It should it should cut the, take the legs out of our sin because there's an adherence that we fear resisting the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. You fear, you know what, I actually texted Leonard so this week, so I want to do justice and steal his. John Piper's this. <laughs> um, when we fear the Lord, we fear resisting him. We fear pushing him away and him hardening our hearts against fellowship which we enjoy with him. So, to act in a hypocritical way, to be the actor and not the authentic person, you know, to wear the costume but not be the substance of, um, is for us to harden our hearts against the fellowship that we could enjoy because the more we yield to God in fear of him, clinging to him, yes, I'll go your way, the more he sanctifies us Actually, at the end of Romans, this is this the end of Romans six. This is a passage that has kept me. This I, I go to in moments of temptation and try to put back in my head because, uh, in times when sin or whatever it is is in front of me. Um, this is a battle passage. This is a sword for me. Um, the end of Romans six. Uh, he says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You didn't have to do any of this. You're free from it. You didn't have to obey it. You, you didn't want to. It wasn't part of your repertoire. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things in which you were now ashamed? So the evidence of Christ in your life, you become ashamed of the things you once did. It doesn't feel good. The things that you once loved, you now turn from. And who you once ignored, you're now turned towards. You desire the righteousness you've always ignored. That's evidence of Christ in your life. For the end of those things, the things, the former sins of the former man, the former, the natural man, the Bible calls it the unsaved one. Um, for the end of those things is death. But now, that, but now that you have been set free, that's justified, saved, you have been set free from sin, and you have become slaves of God. You're a slave to the things, to, to that which set you free. And so you're free. It's the only slavery in which you're actually free. Talk about a little bit about that in the video we posted this week. Um, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So every time we sin, we're forfeiting sanctification. We're pushing it back. Every time we uh, give in to the sin that so easily trips us up as Romans, or uh, Hebrews 12 says. Um, and the more we fight it, the more sanctified we'll be, the stronger we are. So I, this reminds, this passage reminds me of that. Like, joy comes in the morning, all right? I always think about that. Joy comes in the morning, the Bible teaches us. I want that sanctification. I want that progress. And so I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to 
stay here to God. So you pray things like, Lord, uh, John Owen prayed, Lord, stay my heart in your truth. Keep me, like, because he wrote those, those great books on killing sin. Um, he wrote the mortification of sin. Um, if you ever want to read a short book for six years because he writes so thick. Um, <laughs> he, 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 stay my heart in your truth. Keep me in you. I'm like, I want to do this. That's my confession, but I, keep me here. Set my mind on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. And so people who fear the Lord do that because we fear not having fellowship, God pushing sanctification that I could have had today. Now I have to wait for it in the aftermath of going and dealing with my sin. No. Fear him and confirms hell as well. There's popular teaching that there is no hell. That's going to be more pervasive in the next coming years. There is. If there wasn't, what did Jesus die to save us from? Okay, so he's saying, don't live for everybody else. As Christians, live for an audience of one. If you remember anything, remember that. I, if I live for my wife and she sits in God's place in my heart, and if I live for God, I will treat her so much better living for an audience of one as a Christian that it, than if she was ever the first thing in my life. That's why... God has to be first. I will treat my kids, my brothers, my sisters, all of you, if I live for an audience of one, better than if I live for all of you. God has taken that place. We fear him. We listen to his commands. His commands are good. They lead us to better joy and closer relationships than we could have ever had with each other without him. The creator of life knows how it's supposed to work. He says, yes, I tell you, fear him, adhere to him, stick to him, cling to his pamphlet, take your wisdom from him, drink deeply with him, he's opened it up. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? So cheap, non-consequential, superfluous things. And not one of them is forgotten by God. Tremendously encouraging. God doesn't forget us. Even the least of his creation feeds them, takes care of them, clothes them. Uh, they sing their songs as they chirp. They add to the beauty of creation. And not one of them is forgotten by God. And he says, why, even the hairs of your head are numbered. You know that that's just him saying he knows all things about us. Everything that we've forgotten, he still knows. Everything that we never know, he knows. God is omniscient. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. They just told us all this fear. Fear this, fear, fear, or fear God, fear God, fear God. And then he says, fear not. As if to tell us, fear of the Lord is the one fear that nullifies all other fears. So direct it towards God. All the rest is going to lose its power. Have to work. If you're free in God, you don't have to worry about your choices offending people in your family. Because if you fear the Lord, you're going to love your family more than you did without him. 
You don't have to worry about offending people in your political aisle and going with the flow of that. You don't have to worry about everything that the world is doing. You are not afraid of those things that everybody who's without God is afraid of. Now, that that seems foolish, but we look at those things differently. Fear not, for you are more value. You uh, are of more value than many sparrows. So you get, what do you say? So if someone's running a special on five sparrows for two pennies, <laughs> pretty cheap sale, and he says. He's not. He's, he's mindful of all that. You're of far more worth than any. God made everything, called it good. He made us. So we're. Right. Th- birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The birds don't fear God unless they do. Yeah. And that's the uh, the, the the message here. Is yeah. We're supposed to be like the sparrows. Yeah. We're, uh, we're not made in their image. God didn't make anything but us in his image. Is it our free will yeah. that makes us fear? Uh, what's that? Is, is it our free will that makes us fear? Makes us fear because man does like, like us to be living in fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the birds don't fear, but we do. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think the Lord is trying to say, don't worry about that. Yeah, I guess we'll read more about that yeah. uh, soon because once we, we get take, to the look at the birds this, uh, part. Ironic, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the one thing that keeps us yeah, authentic is being is uh, I mean I think Christ says abide in me. All this abide, this cling, this hold on to me, adhere to me, fear me. And there is trembling about it. There's no coming come. Oh, we'll see that right now. And I tell you, going on to verse eight, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. That's why Leonard used Stephen today. Because we see an authentic Christian. He doesn't hide his light, even if he's the only one in a crowd of people who persecute him unto death. He fears the Lord, has one message, and that's God's message. He doesn't have his message, he has God's message doesn't deny a single thing but puts it everything in the light with his words with his speech as he preaches his last sermon and they kill him for it the heavens open up and he he makes this glorious confession about the Lord and you see this these verses coming true he sees the angels even forgives his murderers like Christ did as they're murdering him forgive them when they know saw it. Maybe the hardness of their heart is so bad that they would deny it, but I think that's a privilege that, that, that to see those otherly beings ushering you in with Christ right there. I think you could get stoned to death with a smile on your face in that case. Also, it's good to know because we're going to sin sin, what is sin, but a denial of something of the Lord's commandments, of, of 
what it is, which is a huge thing. I shouldn't run away from selling the normal thing. Um, to know that Jesus never once denied the Lord. And that that's why we go to him. He keeps us from not being a hypocrite because he never was one. You know, we're Maltese Swiss cheese. We got holes. He is holy and perfect, pure, complete. He's solid. Please cling to him because there's nothing there not to cling to. And then he says this. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, okay, so these the hypocrites, the Pharisees, and there's his disciples, the, the followers of Christ, the true adherents who fear the Lord and don't fear the man, and don't fear man. Um, the, the Pharisees feared man. That's why you can become you can become just like everybody you hang out. Each different person you see throughout the day, we become just like them. Or we could be, fear the Lord, live for the audience of one, and this is what it looks like. We acknowledge Christ. We're not, you know, it, 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 there's, it's tense. But um, it keeps us safe from everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But we've spoken things against God, whether we know it or not, um, with our actions, with our words, intentional or un unintentional. But the one who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So there's, there, is, um, there is no sin that the cross can't handle, but there is one it won't. And that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? We want to know this sin, right? If there's one sin God won't forgive, we should know what it is, right? Um, to ask yourself, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? And so you go to the book of John, you can and 14, 15, 16, those chapters, Jesus is telling us the Holy Spirit's role. And he's to remind us of all the things that Jesus taught. So he's at work, taking what we know, taking our morning devotional and applying it to our lives. You know, we, he, he, he's putting tools. Every time you read your Bible, you're putting tools in your toolbox, and the Holy Spirit can then use those tools to do things in the world. If you don't read your Bible, you don't bring anything into yourself, there's not much in there for him to use. All right, so he's going to remind us of everything that God teaches, and he's going to apply it to our lives. Uh, Jesus, Father, God the Father um, planned salvation. Jesus accomplished it, and the Holy Spirit applies it to our lives. So to reject the Holy Spirit, the truth about Christ, the, that's the Holy Spirit's job. He glorifies Christ uh, in the heart of the believer. He, he, he makes uh, Christ known to us, his truth known to us. Um, he applies salvation. He gives us that new heart. He's the, the all, it's the dance of the Trinity, and if you deny the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the truth that the Bible teaches and that, that he's trying to illuminate to you, you reject all that can be given to you because you're rejecting the truth. Um, and you're attributing, and in so doing, you're calling good evil and evil good, uh, something that God hates. And so the Pharisees came awfully close a few weeks ago when they said to Jesus, um, but some of them said, you cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. So what they're saying is they're rejecting the truth. And they're attributing the works of Satan to Jesus and the works of Jesus to Satan. And they're giving Satan God's glory. That's what's happening. Now, if you're scared of committing a sin, as Leonard said, it's really good evidence that you haven't. Because those 
who don't care have the hardened hearts that's been seared, their conscience seared, and they commit this. I saw some sad internet videos from the Freedom of Religion Foundation of people making videos of themselves committing this sin, at least by words, um, and blaspheming the Holy Spirit, unafraid of any kind of consequences because they don't believe. That's what the world, that's what someone, that happens. And so you rejecting the Holy Spirit's rule, um, denial of the Holy Spirit who brings us in to all, you receive the Holy Spirit as a down payment of salvation, Ephesians 1. Um, and he opens up the door. He's the illuminating. Christ's word is illuminating, and his spirit is kind of taking your glasses off to see it all. He'll convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Go this way, not that way. Here's where they lead. He brings us into that. We're denying by, by denying the spirit. We're denying justification. And, so, and therefore, sanctification cannot happen. And you're hardening your heart, and you're hardening your heart. And then, there, therefore, no glorification could happen. You don't even start the chain of salvation. You just deny, deny, deny. And explicitly so. Not just like you're, you're directly saying this is wrong um, and its works are evil, calling good evil and evil good. You're completely as backwards as you could be that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I wish I could make it, put it into one sentence, but I don't, just so it's more quotable, but I, I don't know how to do that right now. Um, yes. they're intentionally speaking against the word of God. Like, this is what a false teacher does. Okay. A false teacher that's simply that's is like a good, good definition for a false teacher. They say what the word of God does not say and they don't say what the word of God does say. And they're, they stick to that. It's on purpose. Okay. It's unintentional and purpose. On purpose. Because it's on purpose, they can't even do anything about the unintentional. Uh, and so, th this is that's bl blasphemy. Blasphemy is to say is to speak against like what is right um, and what is good. What does blasphemy mean? An act of offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God. So it's actively going on the offense intentionally um, about sacred things or profane talk against the Holy One of God. So if you do that with the Holy Spirit, um, I think you have to be intentional about it. I don't know. If, I think you can
that they're actually. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's blasphemy, but not necessarily blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, and what makes it unforgivable is you've gone your whole life rejecting, 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 getting harder, harder, harder uh, in the heart, and then you come, you meet God at the end of your life. It's too late. You've gone your whole life rejecting the truth because we'll go our lives rejecting Christ. I rejected Christ for twenty four years before I, all the thinking I was accepting him because I didn't know what I needed to. Um, but to go your whole life after hearing the gospel, hearing the truth, hearing right and good biblical teaching, and then to deny it. they bring you, the hypocrites, people who brought Jesus to his death, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, uh, that time shall follow it, um, do not be anxious about anything to defend yourself or what you have to say. You don't have to prepare a speech or even worry about defending yourself for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So he actively is in our life preserving us, keeping us from denying him. And I tell you, remember, go back to the top of this part of verse 8, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before man, he's accomplishing that by his work and his hand in their life. If you fear him. So if you want to go back, back backwards through, through this text, they look like three different texts, but it's actually a bigger one that he says out at the end of chapter 11. his down you have to uh, because um, in Matthew and Mark he puts this section about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit right after um, they put this right after um, the Pharisees house it's, it's like the argument continues here Luke gives us a little more in between there's an in between and so the Holy Spirit is it's called it's the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints that God is in our life, keeping us safe, keeping us from uh, a multitude of sins. Well, he'll, he will keep, he'll keep us from, from all of it. If you've been delivered from your sin um, in a moment of temptation, the Lord did that. That's why I go to the end of one of the things I go to, as I said earlier, I go to the end of Romans 6 and I read that. I see the promise that is there for me. I cling, I cling on to the promise of growth and sanctification and fellowship joy with the Lord, and I know that this that means more than any instant gratification of appeasing any kind of pleasure in this moment, I can get, Lord, I'll go your way. I fear you. I don't fear missing out on sin over here. But when I do, go back to the Lord, because that's what fear of the Lord does. Even when you do go the wrong way you shouldn't do, he brings you back, and he causes you to persevere, and he makes his word heavy in your heart. And it's those are the, that's the spur that keeps you going. I love to know that we'll close with it. At the end of Ecclesiastes 12, we'll wind a few verses. But the word, this is how Solomon ends his book, Ecclesiastes. The words of the Lord are wise. The words of the wise are go. Those are spurs. Think of those. Keeping a horse going. That's what the word of the Lord does to us. 
and like nails firmly fixed. The truth doesn't change. It's fixed. And there are collected sayings, uh, and they're given by one shepherd. There's the Old Testament's version of uh, what Paul tells Timothy. Um, all scripture is breathed out by God. There it is in Ecclesiastes. Everything that Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and anywhere else, Song of Songs, he is, is a pen in God's hand. My son, beware of anything beyond this. You don't go beyond the Bible, the things that we adhere to. Paul's the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 4 says, nothing beyond what is written. This is sufficient. And he says this, the end of the matter, all has been heard, all the wisdom that he put in Hear God and keep his commands. Six of them stick to the path of life. Keep wandering, come back. If you've never been, come. Fear the Lord and keep his commands. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so there's the Old Testament saying what the Bible has always said what Jesus taught right here. Jesus opens it up a little more. We hear it coming from the shepherd himself. This is always what God has wanted. I said said at the beginning, what we have to hear today is always what God has been teaching. And it's always what he will teach. Anything that God said to anybody in here, he's saying to us. What's blessing and promise in here is for us. What's sin 2,000 years ago is sin today and will be tomorrow is the unchanging word of God and it is sufficient for our walk with the Lord so we fear the Lord by coming to this believing it and obeying it and uh, I like to say one thing Yeah. I think the fear comes in the beginning because before you're a Christian before you're following the before your relationship with Jesus Christ, the fear is there because most normal thinking people don't want to burn in hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. And that is a fear. You know, you yeah. have to bring them to go, well, maybe I should look. You're not maybe afraid of that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I maybe I just need to think about this. And then I think once you get involved with him and you have a relationship with him, for me now it's I don't want to let him know. I don't want to, I feel bad if I do something wrong, I always, I don't fear that part about not going to heaven. I just, I don't want to let him down because I feel that he's done so much for me. You know, I mean, it's like not going to church on Sunday. The man died for me. I mean, what more could he have done and we can't get our butts up out of bed and come to church? <laughs> what bigger expression of love is there for us to, I mean, yeah. But I think that, I always think I don't want to let him down. I want I want to do him good. I want to do it good. I want to make sure that he's shown through me. I, you know, all the things he's done for me, how could I not want that? But I think at first it is fear. But I think after that relationship evolves and you start doing it, it's more about letting your father down and not wanting to do that. When you love somebody, you don't want to let them down. Right. And we see that in our marriages and we see that in our... Uh, we, ch- we behave differently when we fall in love, right? right? And I think the ultimate expression of that is Christ. And there's the end. Rachel, and when, and when we do let him down, 
if you will, the Holy Spirit tells us when we get into Yeah, he does it his job.